0: We are live. Uh, good morning. <clears throat> Thanks for being here this morning uh, for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. This is Sunday school time and it is officially 9.30, so welcome to Sunday school. Uh, we appreciate you being here this morning. Uh, what we will do while we allow people to get with us online and join us, uh, we will play a musical selection I'm available to you by the Metropolitan Baptist Church Choir uh, and the congregation singing too. So. I'll play this and we'll allow people to get on. And thanks for being here this morning. God bless you all. Take care of yourself. Good morning. Cindy Phillips, thanks for being here this morning. Hey Ann and Larry. Hey Liz, good morning. Okay, that was I'm Available to You by the Metropolitan Baptist Church uh, and uh, mostly the choir. Uh, The congregation was also singing with that too, but uh, that's a great way to look at uh, things. Uh, It is a choice to be available. You're either going to be available to the Lord and allow him to speak to you through the power of the Spirit, or you're not. That is a choice that you make. So we appreciate uh, you understanding that aspect of the song. When you say you're willingly available... He will indeed want to use you, Uh, use you for his goodness, for his glory. Uh, So that's what I take away from that song. And I want to make sure to pass on some announcements to before we get started with Sunday School. It's um, something we'll be doing online for the foreseeable future. Uh, It is something that we, uh, just for the sake of not meeting in the building uh, unnecessarily, we want to make sure that we're covering all the bases and our church moving forward will be, uh, we will be online for all of February. And just as a reminder, uh, the we still have a target date of Sunday, March the 7th as the first uh, time going back into church. And I, I think that uh, that's a good target right now just based upon where things are. We'll see how it goes. Uh, it'll still be the same social distancing and wearing masks and all that until we get the all clear from that. But I want to just remind everybody that it's really important for you just to stay safe. Just uh, just hang in there as much as you can um, for this entire time that we've been uh, been here and doing this, these things here. I know that um, it's been tough for some people who have actually come down with the, with the virus and it kind of knocks you flat. Uh, and I'm not referring to anybody in our church per se, but I am referring to people that I, I work with who have actually caught the virus and who have been, uh, it just kind of knocks you flat, It just takes some energy out of you. So it's not something that you want, and we need to be especially safe during this time just to keep doing all the things you've been doing and just kind of soldier through for another few weeks or so, and then we'll see how it goes as we get closer to March 7th. And uh, we encourage you that uh, we still will be online as best as we can with the acoustic challenge we have at church, but uh, we'll give it a shot. Please stay uh, tuned after Sunday school for our our Sunday message. Uh, Pastor Gus Brown has a message. Being connected to be blessed. It'll be available in the timeline, in the, on the Akron Alliance Facebook page after Sunday school is over with, and you'll be able to find that right away. It'll be uploading uh, in approximately eight minutes, so it'll be there and be waiting for you when you get uh, when you get out, when we get off of here for Sunday school. Um, Pastor Gus has mentioned even in his messages about tithes and offerings. About we're just very thankful for the church being able to give as much as possible and do what they can during this tough time. And uh, he has mentioned that the collections are down a little bit, and that's just natural. It's uh, kind of expected right now. But we really want to encourage you to still contribute to the church because we still have to operate the building. We have to operate all the things that are associated with ministry with the church. If you are not able to go to church, uh, to the drop box, which I'll tell you about in a second, please mail your tithes and offering to Akron Alliance Fellowship. The address is 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. Um, we do have a drop box that will be available today, later on at church at the main entrance area. It's a drive-up, drop-off of your tithes and offerings, uh, 1130 to 1230 today at the church, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio. So we look forward to you either doing that or mailing it. We don't. We want to make sure that we're still making the contribution whatever you can to just keep the church moving forward. And one other thing that I wanted to mention, too, because we we have a little bit of a catch-up to play with, we have the ability, and I I discovered this relatively recently, to take the audio from a lot of the content that Pastor Gus has been using and my content and adding it to our podcast, which we hadn't been able to do, we hadn't done. So we'll be gradually adding that content from 2020 and 2021 into our Akron Alliance Fellowship Podcast, so if you want to be able to listen to that content over again, you'll be able to do that. Uh, it's just a little thing that we're trying to do to make sure that we have as much as possible available for you for content. Um, of course, you'll need the internet to be able to access it, which has been the challenge that uh, some, some of us have had, but most of us seem to have that under control, so we want to encourage you to make a note of those things, and when you when we do the podcasts, those are downloadable uh, so you can actually put those into a player and some, or something like that uh, and, and give those to other people who are just not able to join us online. So I think that's something to consider uh, as we uh, make communication with other members of the church who are not online. As a, as a brief reminder, please reach out to those other church members that we, we have lost contact with or we haven't had recent contact with. Send them a card, uh, call them, check on them, make sure that everything is okay. Uh, we just have to get through this little stretch here, and we just want to implore you to just keep those things in mind. And for those of you who have joined us online here, we just thank you for the numbers. We thank you for uh, entrusting us to give you God's word straight from God's mouth uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not anything that I'm saying or anything that Gus is saying, but we are just relaying the information that God is giving us, and I'm going to trust that we continue to do that and do that faithfully because there is a high responsibility in Presenting the word, and I take it very, very seriously, and that's going to be the essence and the focus of a lot of what we're going to be talking about here today uh, in the uh, lesson. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and get into the lesson now. Uh, we're going to start with a word of prayer just to get everybody engaged. So we just thank you again for being here this morning. God bless you all. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to be able to gather together. And Lord, we uh, see the irony and we're gathering together and doing church uh, in our homes, which is something that was originally done way back when. And sometimes the old things become new. And Lord, we just thank you that we're able to do this, that, that we're able to do these very things today, that we're able to get together online. And we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for protecting us and keeping our households. We thank you for keeping the members of our church and keeping them safe. And, we, Lord, we pray for more of the same and for it to continue. And, Lord, we want to honor and glorify you in all things that we do. Bless us, O oh Lord, and we just thank you for giving us the desire now to quiet our souls, quiet our minds, and allow you to speak directly to us right now. We thank you for your presence. and We thank you, and we just want to give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to First Timothy chapter three, verses one through sixteen. First Timothy three, verses one through sixteen. Now, what you're going to see here, this is kind of a continuation of the lesson that we had during uh, last week when we were in First Timothy chapter two, and there was a lot of conversation about, you know, men and women and how women were to behave a certain way and all that stuff and we don't we don't need to rehash all of that because we we understand the biblical concept of it and that there is a, a situation where we really need to make sure that we're not missing here is that the women were being talked about in the church specifically and given Tim, Timothy was being informed by Paul because they were saying things and doing things that were outside of their knowledge. They had not yet learned enough to be able to do those things now, In this particular situation, understand something. This is going to be the same theme as we get into instructions for the church, and it's referring to overseers and deacons. Overseers um, is essentially elders, pastors, um, any church leader. Anybody who is involved in leadership essentially are overseers. Those are the people who are, it's very important for them to uh, have knowledge and wisdom that comes directly from the Lord, and they impart that wisdom. And we all have different levels of understanding, that wisdom and knowledge. But when it comes right down to it, uh, God is trying to teach us every day. And as a teacher, uh, I would not be uh, an effective teacher if I did not do my own studying, if I didn't do my own research, if I didn't do my own uh, way of learning and studying Scripture. Uh, I think it's very important for teachers to be teachable. That's something I've said before. You may have heard me say that. Uh, But let's go ahead and look at the passage and and see exactly what God is trying to say to us today. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 16, reading from the New Living Translation. And uh, this is one moment where reading from the New Living Translation with its uh, dynamic equivalence and how it looks at Scripture, it's going to be very valuable to us to see what God is saying here in this passage. So let's take a look. Starting with verse 1. This is a trustworthy, trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? Verse 6, a church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. Verse 8. In the same way, deacons must be well-respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. Remember that. Verse 11. In the same way, their wives must be respected and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, and he must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others And will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 14. I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. Okay, that is all of, uh, that is all of 1 Timothy chapter 3, basically. Uh, is jam-packed with information. So let's re- go back up to the top and look at this material. And we'll cover as much as we can with this without having to skip anything. Uh, for the sake of time. So let's go back to verse 1. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. An honorable position. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. Now, when you first look at this, that obviously is very, very true. And we need to take into account that there is a huge responsibility... It's a heavy responsibility for anyone who wants to be in church leadership. Um, a church leader, or also known as an elder, uh, has that responsibility. It can refer to an elder in this context, can refer to a pastor, uh, refer to somebody in leadership, uh, or a presiding overseer. So we certainly talk about elders, we're talking about deacons, we're talking about anyone who is in leadership. We, we can even refer to people who are in head of committees, Uh, as that type of leadership and it's good to be want to be a spiritual leader but the standards are very very high now Paul is mentioning this because we want to make sure that uh, as we look at these qualifications as we follow this um, church leaders are not to be elected as church leaders because they're popular people let's start with that we can get caught up in beauty contests and popularity contests when it comes to appointing church leadership because of personalities or people who uh, seem to be very engaging. But are those individuals, frankly, qualified to be in leadership? Now, just because you're popular doesn't make you a church leader. Uh, it may make you the talk of the, uh, the church or make you a conversation worthy, but we want to be make sure it's conversation worthy in a very good way. Uh, that's what we have to consider here. And sometimes people just get caught up in in the dynamics of personalities, and that's really not what this is all about. So church leaders shouldn't be elected because they're popular, nor should they be allowed to push their way to the top. There are some people who will want to aspire to be in leadership and want to do those things, but uh, they may play corporate games in doing that. For those of you who have worked in a corporate environment, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is not the place for someone who wants to be in leadership. They need to be chosen by the church because of the respect for the truth, respect for Jesus Christ, honoring him, and how they live is a very important aspect of that in addition to what they believe. Um, If you want to be a leader... If you want to be in leadership or if you are a leader right now, you need to check yourself against Paul's standard of excellence because this is what exactly what this is. This is a standard of excellence. There should be no compromise whatsoever when it comes to leadership in a church. Do not compromise that. Uh, many churches have fallen or gone to the wayside because there was a compromise in leadership. And It doesn't mean that people don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that people don't mess up. But you lessen your chances when you are truly looking to put someone in the position of leadership who is honoring God and looking to him in all things. And that's not just in front of church members, but that's away from the church, outside of the church. Everything that they do should be honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. High expectations. So before we get into the content going all the way down to verse 13 because there's there's quite a bit here but we want to make sure that we're covering we need to understand specifically what's going on even though we're speaking about church leadership even though we're talking specifically in this passage about elders and deacons and pastors and all that believers, even if you never plan to be a church leader should be striving to follow these same guidelines we're talking about Why is that important? Well, it's important for you if you appoint a leader who's going to be uh, you're following or looking to. uh, Of course, that leader is following Christ and you're trying to follow leadership. You should be following the example of leaders who are truly honoring the Lord. You should be doing the very same things. The the standards do not lessen for you as a believer just because you're not in leadership. Your standards don't change. You still have to meet uh, according to still have to live according to God's standard. You still have to be obedient to him. You still have to be uh, praying to him, seeking after him, looking to him, honoring him. These are all things that we all should be doing. It doesn't matter whether you're in church leadership or not. Um, I think it's important for us to understand that. Um, some people can effectively teach who have never taught formally at church. And so they may not be in church leadership, but how, is important, how important is it for that person to know the word and be able to impart the word even if it's in a one-on-one conversation. These are all things we have to take into account. These people may not be in church leadership, but they may be mentors. They may be people within the church that people go to if they have questions. You know, it is sometimes where you might have a supervisor at work and you don't necessarily want to ask the supervisor a question, but you may look to a team member who you respect and trust uh, to ask that question because sometimes people don't ask the supervisor a question for really dumb reasons, uh, I'm more like, I don't want to look dumb or I don't want to look silly in asking a question like that. But that's very true. That's a psychological thing. So there are many times where I, as a supervisor, have never heard a thing from some of my team members. uh, But they talk amongst each other and they'll ask all kinds of questions. But they're looking to someone who has good sense, uh, good information, knows what's going on. And you have people like that in the church as well, too. They actually do help pastors and deacons and elders. These are people that you want to... Uh, be able to confide in. But you need to understand that these people who are mentoring spiritual truth, we need to be able to seek those people out. Take a look real quick at, I'm going to have you turn to 2 Timothy. Hold on one second. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm catching up with you here. 2 Timothy 2 Uh, Let's look at verse 2. We want to make sure that we're still speaking to other people within the church and communicating with them who uh, have knowledge of the truth. And so as the leaders set the example for these people, these individuals who are these mentors, that we'll call them, uh, they need to also be available to speak truth as well, too, when they're asked or asked a question. Because the reality is the pastor, the elders, the deacons, they, they, whoever those people are in church leadership, may not be able to speak to everybody at one time. They may have, there may be a question that you may have and you can just call somebody up and ask them. It says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's exactly what we need to understand here. The, uh, we, these other people can teach just as well. In a, in a specific moment, should they be knowledgeable as to what they're teaching? Absolutely. Can they be trusted to speak to others? Certainly they can. If the Spirit is leading the individual to speak, they should be able to speak too. So I want to make sure that you are speaking to other people and talking to people who are, are, are certainly looking for the truth and seeking the truth. And if you have questions to ask people those questions, they are fully capable. They are able to teach. The Holy Spirit ultimately teaches all of us. So we need to keep all of those things in mind. If we're yielding to the Spirit. Just when I said, it said in the song earlier about being available to be used, that's exactly what we're talking about. The being available to be used so that the Spirit is teaching you so that you can impart wisdom when the time is right, when you're called upon to do so. And we need to make sure that we're broadening our horizons when it comes to instruction too. Um Living through lectures, you know, more can be imparted through living than just through lectures, sitting down and hearing people teaching uh, us something. We need to make sure that we're always open to what God is teaching us and make sure that we are doing everything we can to communicate our faith very clearly to someone else. So the elders, the the deacons, the, the pastors have that responsibility to make sure that they're imparting wisdom at all times And we, as people in the church, should be following that example as they impart wisdom. If they're giving us good wisdom, uh, it's not something to be thrown out and discarded. We need to make sure that we're listening, paying attention. And we need to be an example for others as well, too. What kind of a church would it be if we had a church where the leaders weren't uh, acting obedient to the Lord and the people following those leaders were in turn, well, he's doing that, I can do that, too, You know, that that same mentality, you soon won't have a church. You won't have anything that's honoring God whatsoever. And it doesn't take much. Uh, Satan's very busy, everybody. Amen? Satan wants to sidetrack, derail the efforts of anybody who's trying to teach the truth. So we need to keep that in mind as we look at this in greater detail. So I wanted to cover that. So we're going to go over these qualifications now. Let's go back up to verse 2 in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um. It says in verse 2 So a church leader must be a man whose life is above, above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well. Having children who respect and obey him, for if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? Now, we know, or perhaps you don't know, but in many ways, if you were, for example, looking at positions of pastors in different churches, a lot of churches take uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 as a guideline for choosing a qualified leader for a church. Uh, and that's something that we need to understand. The challenge that's been taking place over the years is not infusing more into those passages than what really is there. Uh, I think that that's been the challenge that some denominations get caught up in. I will not get into specifics today because that's a whole different topic of discussion uh, for a lot of people. And it's not really helpful to do that. But I will say that there has been evidence where that has taken place, where you take the the concept of this passage here, and it goes sometimes beyond the qualifications that are necessary, which means that we have a church or, or situation where people are adding things in that shouldn't be there. Um, doing some research on this, I caution everyone, never go beyond what Scripture is saying. You've got to take what Paul is saying in this passage when he's giving instruction to Timothy very literally and specifically. There's a lot of things that you can inject into here that can go too far. And, and understand that that is what has happened in many many cases in many situations but take it for what it's worth a person who, a, a person who's faithful to his wife so we're already talking about a church leader a person who is in leadership who's married and has a wife and that's a man being married to a woman amen So faithful to his wife which means he''s, he's he adores his wife he loves his wife he reflects that before other members of the congregation. Um, he exercises self-control, lives wisely, has a good reputation, uh, enjoys having guests in his home, must be able to teach. So being able to teach is a prerequisite for a person who's in leadership. Uh, and those are things that... Now, it says, don't be a heavy drinker, or be violent. You know, we, we have... Some people make a choice about drinking and uh, drinking alcohol, and there's nothing illegal about drinking alcohol. There is a standard, however, when it comes to church leadership. And a heavy drinker is a disqualification, honestly, uh, because if you're a heavy drinker, that means that you are not in control. Uh, The alcohol is in control, and that means that there's a problem. Um, Not violent, must be gentle, not quarrelsome, not love money, manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. And verse 5, for if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? So we're making the standard comparison that if you can't take care of your house, you can't take care of God's house um, in a very uh, succinct way. Uh, That's what we're saying here. So that's what we need to understand about the qualifications. Now I'm going to challenge all all people online here to do research about this particular section. Um, I'm very thankful that we have a church and a pastor who fits all of these qualifications and then some. And honors God and does everything he can to honor God and and even acknowledges when he makes mistakes, which is a very, very important thing to do, too. If you make a mistake, you say, boy, I'm sorry. Uh, forgive me, Lord, uh, And because that's a person who does that means that they are not showing themselves to be more important than anything else or anyone else. They recognize the huge responsibility involved here. Okay? Um, I welcome comments on that as well, too, within... Um, the 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 comment section, and we can look at those later on if you have questions about anything I've said. But understand something: these are very clear statements that Paul is giving to Timothy, and Timothy is saying it as a trustworthy. Say, or Paul is saying it as a trustworthy saying to Timothy about this is being an honorable position, and we don't need to screw it up or wreck it because we want to be uh, in any way fleshly in behaviors or anything like that. So we need to keep that in mind. Let's drop down to verse 6. A church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud, and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. Now, this refers indirectly back to chapter 2, where the women of the church, who Paul had given them honor, that they could, in fact, speak about the Bible, and but they had to learn and listen quietly to make sure that the instruction they were receiving um, was being taken in and that they were sharing the truth. So the challenge was is that there were a lot of people in that church, in the church, who were new believers. And so the same challenge is being extended to a church leader. Just because someone is popular, just because someone is best buds with you, does not necessarily qualify them to be a church leader. We need to make sure that they are not new believers because they might become proud because pridefulness can seep in. I'm a believer. I know the Lord. I do this, I do that. And then basically things get out of control when you are truly not humbling yourself before the Lord because pride always will intercede or take away from your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, pride goes, uh, as my, my bride said here, pride goes before a fall. Um, that's what we don't want. A lot of church leaders have become prideful over the years, and we've seen it. You, you've seen it. It's been demonstrated. You may not ever hear them acknowledge it because they won't acknowledge it. Uh, you'll, you'll see the behavior, and you'll say, well, that person's become proud, and you can make that conclusion just based upon their behavior. We don't ever want to be In the situation as church leaders where we are making other people stumble because that's exactly what happens in a church if church leadership uh, is not prepared to teach not able to teach not able to live an example for other people so new believers should become secure and strong in the faith before taking leadership roles in the church so when you become a believer and churches need to be cautious about this too We don't automatically put somebody in a position of leadership because they appear or may have an appearance to have knowledge. They may not be ready yet. And there comes a time of instruction and teaching. And so that's something that uh, I think church leaders need to admonish themselves as well to make sure that because a person becomes a new believer, the, the automatic temptation is to get that person involved in some way in the church. You can get them involved. Uh, you can get them involved when the first things I did at a church that I used to go to, uh, where I became—I uh, was a new member and new came in—I handed out bulletins. That's the first thing I did. I handed out bulletins. I have the people in the church coming in, uh, and that wasn't a position of leadership. There had to be some time spent before I could be put into a position of leadership, where I was teaching the Sunday school class to uh, the teens who were in that church. It Doesn't happen immediately. There's time that has to be taken. You have to grow personally. And a church, if you're desperate for leaders, or desperate for for believers or workers, we need to make sure that we are not jumping the gun and putting people in place who are just not ready, not qualified to be in those positions of leadership. Um, That's a real challenge. That's a real temptation sometimes that we have to look at. And the study here says, and I couldn't agree more, new faith needs time to mature. Maturity is the key. And Pastor Gus has mentioned in a couple of messages here, as well as even uh, in the upcoming message after we're done here, about maturity. Being mature in the faith. If you expect certain things that God uh, is going to do for you, what are you doing for him? How are you behaving? Are you being mature in your faith? Or are you pouting because God isn't giving you something that you want. Um, That's pridefulness. And so there is no place for that in church leadership or in any position of leadership within a church. New believers have to be firmly grounded in their faith. There has to be a solid Christian lifestyle. There has to be a knowledge of the word of God. It doesn't mean you have to know everything, but it means you have to know the basics. You've got to know some basics here. You've got to know Some things where, and if you don't know, don't play it off and pretend that you know something and say something that is anti-biblical or anti-Christ. If you don't know, say, I don't know, I'm going to look it up. And that's really what it comes down to. There have been many times where I've taught Sunday school class where I didn't know the exact answer. And I just went and looked it up. And I've been doing this for 30 years. So it's you just don't take the time. You take the time to do the research and look it up. Uh, no one is saying that anybody in leadership has to be a know-it-all. We, we, uh, people who are pastors, people who are elders, you know, they learn new things all the time. And so that's the other thing we need to make, keep in mind as well, too. You're going to learn things as you go along. You're, a younger believer has to be aware of what pride can do. Uh, it can basically seduce your emotions. It can cloud your reasoning. It can impact the way you see other people. Um, it can make the immature susceptible to the influence of unscrupulous people. In other words, they can be misled by others because they have their guard down, they don't have enough knowledge, they don't have enough information, they haven't prayed to the Lord for discernment, or they just don't have the discernment. Um, And that's something that we need to keep in mind, too. There's all kinds of reasons why we need to be very cautious about new believers being in positions, because... Um, I'm just going to put it out there. If, if unscrupulous people, uh, we probably know who they are, just from communication day after day. They look for vulnerabilities in people, just like people who are online. Um, they look for people who never change their password. They have uh, passwords of one, two, three, four. They get online. They try to take advantage of those people because the people who are Online, they're not taking care of themselves, not protecting themselves, not doing what's necessary to make sure that they are prepared. That's the exact same thing I'm referring to here. New believers have to be very cautious. They need to be prayerful and making sure that they do not fall into the devil's trap. And the devil wants to see new believers crash and burn. I think that's the best way to put it because that's exactly what he wants to see happen. And so you as a person in the church need to make sure that you're protecting yourself the more you know about the Lord the more Satan wants to try to get under your skin so you need to be bolstered up and be prayed up and you need to be seeking the Lord and looking to him look at verse 7 again and that's what we're referring to here about the people need to be able to speak well of you in the church as a leader so that you will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. And that, is, that refers specifically to believers who are leaders. We want to make sure that a church has a good reputation. How do you get someone to get involved with a church? Well, there has to be a reputation, at the very least, that the people love the Lord and are seeking the Lord and want to teach what is being taught uh, and teach uh, those things teach those things properly too. We we always want to make, don't make the assumption that every church who loves the Lord is teaching properly. Uh, The instruction has to match up with the teaching. The lifestyle has to match up with the teaching. Uh, If it's honoring God, that's what has to happen. So there are qualifications here that we need to make sure that we are undertaking as we look at churches. The church has to have a good reputation. The leader has to have a good reputation. The members have to have a a good reputation overall. Um, If you're a citizen, if you're a neighbor, if you're a friend, if you're in the neighborhood, you should be honoring God in everything that you're doing outside of church. It's not just the behavior in the church. We sometimes get caught up in, in, in these types of parades and festivities and just doing things in the church because we think it looks good. That's not how you honor God. We want to honor God by being prayerful people, People who are willing to be obedient to him, people who are willing to serve him, people who are willing to listen to him and listen even at times when we don't want to hear what he has to say. Because God sometimes admonishes us and tells us things that we need to hear about our behaviors. It's not all about, you know, like, well, everything coming from God is good. Well, not everything coming from God is good sometimes. It's sometimes it's a situation where the information he's giving to you is for your good. You don't want to hear it. So we need to understand that there's a distinction there because everything God does is good for us. But our pride will sometimes push back and say it's not good when we come back later on and say, Lord, you were right. You were right all along. You knew that I needed to hear that word from you to help me to turn my life around and fix those things. So um, we need to understand that our flesh determines sometimes what's good and what isn't, but God is good all the time. He wants to tell us sometimes how we should be behaving. And nobody wants to be admonished. Nobody wants to be criticized. No one wants to have to go through that. Sometimes even the church leadership will have to admonish you because you have behaviors that may be evident. We don't want to see other people stumble. That's the reason why we do it. I hope you all can appreciate that. I'm speaking from the heart. I I just know that I've just seen too many places, too many churches where people aren't being honest enough about what's happening and they're letting stuff slide and letting stuff go. Don't let anything slide. Don't let it go. There's a way to deal with issues in the church. If we follow scripture, if we follow what's being taught, we can handle those issues and get them taken care of. Um, doesn't mean we have to excommunicate anybody. Um, we may have to if they don't want to listen, but ultimately um, we need to understand that there is a protocol for all of those things. We don't want to ultimately disgrace God. We don't want to dishonor him uh, by looking at these things. So now let's drop down to verse 8, and we're going to talk about deacons. Now, sometimes people put elders and deacons on two different categories. Well, this is wrong. Uh, this is exactly what I mean about understanding the importance of looking at Scripture in its totality and understanding exactly what's being said here. Um Verse 8, let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter, um, chapter 3, verse 8. In the same way, deacons must be well-respected and have integrity. Well-respected and have integrity. Now, they may not be teachers, but they're still to be well-respected. They may, must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. That's the exact same thing that's said in verse 3 for a pastor. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. This is why we are never to elevate deacons, people as deacons who are not qualified to be in leadership. Because they're a deacon, it doesn't make them any less of a person in position than an elder. A deacon is still in leadership. So, a deacon simply mean of, just for qualification an elder refers to an overseer a deacon refers to a person where the word means one who serves so he is a servant leader that's exactly what a deacon is he's a servant leader people don't look at it that way um, well, let's take a quick look at uh, Acts chapter 6 and we'll see where deacons came into play pretty much in the church. Um, It was probably begun by the apostles in the Jerusalem church. And it was to do what? To serve and care for the physical needs of the Greek-speaking widows at the time. Let's take a look at Acts, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to look at that through verse 6. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables so what were we doing here we are looking at a different position being created even though there were people who were teaching and there weren't that many teachers yet because remember this is a new church so they couldn't stop teaching they had to keep teaching so now they had to find other people to get involved in this process Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So we were actually now creating a different position of leadership because you had to be a leader to be one who's willing to serve and take care of other people. Verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And verse 5, and what they said pleased the whole gathering, And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. So these are all people who were chosen. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And I'll just add in verse 7, And the word of God continued to increase, The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Why? Because that very act was one more way to honor God. You're taking care of your congregation. You're taking care of your people. You're taking care of the people in your midst. So a deacon is a very important role in the church. We want to make sure that we're looking at those things and those qualifications, how they indeed resemble the elders. Now, in some churches today, this is a fact. A lot of deacon leaders have been become less important. It's lost importance in some churches. This is a fact. They aren't treating this position in the same way that was originally intended when you look at Acts chapter 6. New Christians are act, often asked to serve in this position, which is a mistake. It's a mistake. It's something that we don't want to do. Um... But, and that's not what we should be doing because that's not what uh, Paul is speaking of here. That's not what Timothy is saying. This person has to be well-respected, have integrity, and before they're appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. This is the whole point. We should be praying for people in leadership like this to make sure that they are indeed uh, prepared and ready to serve in that capacity. Deacons should have high qualifications, not just qualifications, high qualifications. That's what we need to understand here. Just because a person is living and breathing does not make them a deacon. Uh, it's, <laughs> wow, that just popped in my head. That's scary enough. <laughs> so, but we need to understand that it's a very high qualification to be a deacon. We need to go back to the premise of Acts chapter 6 and look at those qualifications. Stephen, that person being mentioned, full of the Holy Spirit, as you remember, he was very highly qualified and spoke according to the Spirit and spoke God's Word uh, right before he was stoned because he was being led by the Spirit. Everything he was saying. Remember, he was not uh, a so-called leader in the church where he was a teacher, but he knew the Spirit. The Spirit spoke through him, and he was very qualified, and that's exactly the type of person we need in Servant leadership, which is the best way to describe. Well, all of us are all of us who are in the church who are leaders are servant leaders. But uh, I think it's especially true for one who is qualified to be a deacon. So keep that in mind as we look at this. Now look at verse 11. In the same way, their wives must be respected and not must not slander others. They must exercise self-control, and be faithful in everything they do. Um, that's what's very important here. The qualification, it's not specifically mentioned here, but it's implied in the early section here about uh, elders and their wives. The the responsibility that the elder or the overseer has is to honor his wife, to be faithful to his wife. Can't be a philanderer, amen? Uh, In the same way, the wives must be respected and not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything that they do. That's the wife of a deacon. Uh, Those are qualifications where the wife has to also look like um, she is behaving at the utmost, honoring God, serving the Lord. And we won't use any descriptives that go in the other direction because we kind of know where that can go. Uh, If they are not honoring God, if they're dishonoring their husbands, um, that's obviously a problem when when it comes to leadership because it takes away from the leader. It takes away from the, the person who is serving in the church. So it is important for wives to make sure that they are doing what's necessary. Let's drop down to verse 12. A deacon must be faithful to his wife. Same thing as up in verse 2 for the overseer. Must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. Now, let's just use an example here. Let's say the deacon we, we look at a person and we see them and they may have had a different life altogether before they became believers. And maybe they were acting up all crazy and stuff like that and they've turned their lives around and they're moving forward where there still should be a holding pattern for that person to make sure that they are honoring the Lord. And then when the time is right, that person can be appointed as a deacon. That's something we have to look at here. Um, it is very important for us to understand that A person who has had a hard time in the past should not be thoroughly disqualified from service in a church. He still has to prove himself. He still has to show himself to be faithful. He still shows himself himself to be honoring God. I had to slow myself down there. Show himself to honor God, honor his wife, honor his family. But there is a time period that has to take place to show and demonstrate that. Now, God is the only one who can orchestrate the timing of all of that. But Ultimately, what it comes down to is that that changed life has to be demonstrable. And that's why it said back in verse 10, let them be closely examined. So it doesn't mean that a person who is in leadership, who has lived a life of chicanery and foolishness and done some terrible things, is an automatic disqualifier. But it is part of that person's evolution into becoming a true believer where they truly have to die to self and live for Christ put off the old take on the new and embrace the new and always and not live a life of apologies but live a life that is bold and serving the Lord Jesus Christ and that's what we have to take away from this here too so I want to be very clear about this teaching because it's been sometimes taken and used as a disadvantage for those people who truly do want to serve the Lord. People can serve the Lord in leadership if they are showing themselves to be leaders and not just doing things for the sake of trying to please others. We want to make sure that we're looking at the qualifications of anybody who's in these positions and looking at them carefully and sometimes asking some hard questions. It's okay to do that. Ask some hard questions. Ask about where, where your life is because we need to understand that these people can sometimes be one of the greatest testimonies in the body of Christ to show other people who have messed up that they can get it together and get it right. That is the testimony. The testimony is giving praise and glory to Jesus Christ, glory to God. That's what this is all about, and that's really what this is, the whole premise of this teaching So Paul is just saying these things because we need to have standards. We don't water down our standards. Yes, Jackie, some people can change and people have changed and that's the whole point of this. So you can use this passage and go completely in the other direction and disqualify anyone who's had a hard time in life. Which would be 98%? I'd probably be 100%. A lot of people... (laughs) It's... um, we all have had a hard time at one time or another. There's nothing to be ashamed of because God takes care of our shame because we've asked for forgiveness and we've asked for his mercy and we've asked for his grace. And um, I know before I became a believer, I did some things I'm not proud of and, and, and no one would be proud of those things if they look back on a life like that. And I, I think that's true for all of us. Um, We look and compare our old life to our new life. But we don't dwell on our old life. We live in the new life. We know that we can, because of those lessons we've learned, those are hard lessons we can teach others, don't do that. (laughs) That's really what it comes down to. Don't do those things that get you in trouble. Okay. Now, uh, we're going to finish up here because it's very important to me to get this last section here, and I'll just cover the last part here. Verses 14 through 16, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. How people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And then it says, without question, this is the great mystery of faith. And this is basically a hymn. Uh, He's taking the lyrics from a hymn here at the end. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. And those great mysteries are what we all are trying to impart upon as far as what Jesus did for us. Paul is affirming the humanity and divinity of Christ. We serve the Lord Christ. He is divine, yet he was human. In his humanity, he died on the cross for us. This is a great mystery that we are all still studying and looking at. So, this entire section was being written to do what? To pass on the good word to Timothy. And from there, this was part of God's plan. This was part of God's plan his writing. Paul's giving this advice about how the church should conduct itself to Timothy. Timothy would then pass it on to those people that he's teaching. And those other people would pass it on to others that are being taught because we need to study what the Bible says. It needs to be taken seriously. We need to look at what the Word says. We need to make sure that we're not adding or taking away from what the Word is saying, which is an admonishment that a lot of people need to be very, very careful about and look at what it says and look at the qualifications of leadership in the church and be very specific and make sure that as we learn about how we should conduct ourselves, We look to leadership to conduct themselves effectively, but we as individuals in the church who are following leadership should be acting the same way and making sure that we don't cause others to stumble as well too. So what the Bible says, we need to be reading it and looking at it very carefully and seeking God through the power of the Holy Spirit to teach us what is being said. Amen? Father, we just thank you. We just thank you for this lesson. We thank you for your teaching, and Lord, we pray that you give us the desire to just go beyond not just reading what the Word says, but truly investigating it, going deeper, seeking you, Lord, in prayer as to what's being said, seeking content that parallels what's being said, and look to others who have knowledge and wisdom as well, too. Lord, you're the end authority, though. It comes back to what you're saying. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your, even your correction. We thank you for your help through this entire process. Lord, we want to be students of the Bible for life. We don't ever want to stop learning what you're saying. We don't ever want to stop and just settle for anything less than your truth. We don't want to just take the word of someone else. We've got to be Bereans. We've got to get into the word and see that what is being said is true. That's from Acts 17, 11. Please help us to do that very thing each time we go and look at our Bibles and look at our studies as we do our devotions, as we do our daily reading. Lord, we are prayerful that you continue to teach us. And we thank you for this lesson here today. Bless us, O Lord. Help us to carry it forth for life, not to leave anything on the table, but to keep it in our hearts, in our minds. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. God is good. I just thank the Holy Spirit. Um, Didn't quite know how that was going to come out today, but I'm very convicted about this passage in ways you probably don't realize, but it's it's very important for me um, to make sure that a church leader is looking at these things and we're getting this passage correct when we look at what it's teaching us. So um, if you have questions about that, you can ask me, and I'll I'll tell you offline. Uh, I'll be happy to. But please make sure that you are looking at this very carefully. And uh, I just praise God for his teaching. Um, Thank you so much for being with us this morning for Sunday School. Uh, We're going to break now and let you uh, get into Pastor Gus's message about being connected to be blessed. Uh, It is in the same timeline right here on our Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. God bless you all. Have a wonderful Sunday. Bundle up if you're going out. Take care of yourself, and we'll see you next time.